see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley, and today we are getting a little technical, but it's worth it because safety first. We have our own in-house safety expert, Bruce Maine, to tell us all about risk assessment. Welcome to the podcast, Bruce. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, just for the handful of people that don't know who you are, why don't you give us a little bit about who Bruce Maine is and exactly how you're involved with PMMI? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Um, I am Bruce Main. I am the uh, a technical advisor to PMMI. I've been involved with PMMI for about 20 years now. I'm an engineer, professional engineer and certified safety professional, and I do quite a bit of work in risk assessment and machinery safety. So we hear risk, risk assessment a lot, and I'm probably going to stumble over that a lot. But anyway, we hear risk assessment a lot. What exactly is it in you know layman's terms? It's basically a safety assessment. It's a type of analysis where you look to identify hazards associated with machinery or equipment. And then it's a process that it guides you through a process to uh, develop risk reduction measures to make sure that you achieve acceptable risk. Okay, then where where did it come from? When did this become a topic for uh, machinery in particular? And I guess when did PMMI first integrate risk assessment into our B155.1 standard? Let's start with the last part first. The uh, uh, 155, B155.1 first integrated risk assessment in the 2000 edition of that standard. And the reason that it was done then was because of what was where it came from. The risk assessment process really got legs in 1995-1996 timeframe when the European Union issued the Machinery Directive. And the Machinery Directive is a law in Europe and in that law it requires that machine suppliers or builders do risk assessments. And because of that, and because PMMI members, many of them were shipping machines to the EU, we needed a methodology to do this. And that's where this really came from. Um, so I'm going to say I'm a supplier or owner of machinery. Who is required to do a risk assessment? Is that something I can do on my own or is that someone I need to bring someone in to do? Well, it's intended to be something you can do yourself. As a builder of machine or a supplier of a machine, uh, the machinery directive is is intended that you can self-certify. And um, so who's required to do this under the machinery directive, the law in Europe, the machine supplier is required to do it. Now, under B155.1, we operate in a little bit of a different legal environment. And so there's requirements in the B155.1 standard that both the supplier of the machine is required to do a risk assessment and the user of the machine is also supposed to do a risk assessment. So the machine supplier looks at the machine as they build it in, in its intended use, and the user of the machine looks at um, 
how that machine is used within a facility and the hazards that might be associated with the facility. Do they bring that to each other to make sure they mesh, or is that something that's done independently? Usually it's done independently. It depends. It, it can be independent. Sometimes if it's a turnkey application, that it's actually, there's quite a bit of collaboration, and that's illustrated in, in a figure in, in the B155.1 standard. So if it's an off-the-shelf type of machine, a labeler, then there may be very little uh, collaboration, whereas if you're uh, a supplier is building you an integrated uh, bottling line, then that uh, quite a bit of collaboration will go on, and that risk assessment may be done collaboratively for uh, both the, the machine as well as the installation. Are there, besides one being from the supplier and one being from the uh, the purchaser, is there different ways to do a risk assessment? Yes, there are many different ways to do risk assessments. And that's one of the great things about risk assessment is there's lots of flexibility. Um, the key thing is that you need to identify hazards and reduce risk to an acceptable level. Those are the very fundamental pieces. And there's lots of different ways to do it in different industries. Semiconductor industry has a methodology. The robot industry has a methodology. Uh, the machinery methodology is, is available. Um, the B155.1 follows the machinery methodology as well. So there's a whole bunch of different approaches to risk assessment, uh, and there's flexibility in how you can do it. Okay. So if I'm a packaging company, does PMMI have one that they suggest, a method that I should follow? The methodology that's illustrated in the B155.1 standard is the one that we recommend. And we do that because it's easy to use and easy to learn. It provides enough structure uh, and granularity to help you identify hazards without getting down a rat hole and getting lost. So uh, there's, there's, you know, when I say there's lots of different ways to do it, there's also lots of different ways to um, overdo it, if you will. And this is uh, the methodology that's illustrated in the standard. We take one methodology and work through the, the standard and illustrating what's supposed to be done, what we intend you to do. But there's also an annex on other ways to go about this. So that's basically a, our version is simplifying a way to do it so that you're not, like you said, overdoing it. That's correct. I mean, it needs to be done. This is not child's play. I and mean, there's actually some you've got to pay attention and, and uh, work at, at risk assessment. It's not easy. It's not uh, something you can just pencil with. But it also should not be and is not something that really requires a specialist to go about doing this. Okay. So then since I'm not bringing in a specialist to do it, could you give me some key steps on how I would do a risk assessment process? Yes, there are five key steps. And when we look about at the different methodologies and the different approaches to risk assessment across several industries, and I've had the opportunity to do that because I've written a couple books on this topic of risk assessment, what you see is the commonalities is first step is you need to um, identify hazards. Second is to assess the risks. Third is reduce the risks to an acceptable level. Fourth is to uh, document your results. And fifth is to follow up to make sure you've done what you said you're going to do. And of those five steps, the first one, identify hazards. And the third one, reduce risk to an acceptable level are the most important parts. Uh, because if you don't identify hazards, you can't achieve acceptable risk. You're going to potentially miss something. And if you don't reduce risk to an acceptable level, you're missing the point. Now, I say these five steps are common. What is most interesting is the second step, assessing risk, that is where the wheels come off typically, where um, you know, engineers are trained to be very precise and, and like to measure things. And when we try to assess risk, it's fundamentally a subjective evaluation. And there's great efforts made by engineers all over the world trying to get away from the subjectivity of it. And, and that's one of the challenges of risk assessment is that fundamentally you want to keep your eye on the goal and, and identify hazards and reduce risk to an acceptable level. The scoring of risk is really not that important. And 
it's sometimes overemphasized. Okay, because that 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 the thought I keep having is how do I know that I've assessed risk to like you said because you you would think that it being such a specific um, industry and engineers being the way they are that they would have already engineered all of that out. So who where is this? this level or who is deciding is, is that why it remains subjective there isn't one you know level where it is considered acceptable correct and and you know it's different between for the application so if we're making cotton balls we uh, we have a, one level if you're making steel it's an entirely different level the hazards are different the risks are different and you know it would be great if somewhere in industry uh, from above we said okay you need to get a get to be a 7 if you get 7 you're good and if you're more than 7 you're not good but it really depends on the application. And some industries have taken that approach where they've tried to set a specific level. Other industries like the packaging industry, if you look at B155.1, the standard talks about acceptable risk. We have a definition in the standard and the requirement is that you meet acceptable risk. We never tell you what that is because it is application specific. It's going to be dependent upon the company and the culture that's doing the work and building the machine. So what the standard provides is the process that you work through to achieve acceptable risk. Okay, then how do I get started? How do I integrate risk assessment into my process? Well, you need to form a team. That's usually the best way to and, and get the, the resources to understand what's going on. B155.1 is certainly a great place to start. There are tools available. The PackSafe software is a, is a tool that uh, we have developed and, and offer to, for sale for companies to use. It guides them through the process, lets you know what to do next and, and how to make decisions about what you need to do. Uh, it's not an expert system. It doesn't tell you what to do, but it tells you what to think about. Um, so that's one of those tools that will help you uh, work through this process. The standard is something that is a very good resource. And um, is you can also... Uh, if you would like some more assistance, you can get training. And the train PMI offers the risk assessment training. Fred Hayes and I have done the risk assessment training for many years. And this is a two-day session where we talk about the different topics of risk assessment, products liability aspects, um, aspects related to control systems and even OSHA uh, enforcement, and various topics in the in this two-day session. And we spend a fair amount of time working with the PackSafe software, getting people to do risk assessments in the training session. So there's a lot of resources available. It sounds hard. It sounds like it's going to be very hard to do. Um, and you've you've given a bunch of these, fortunately, you've given a, um, a bunch of tools that can be used like the PackSafe and the standard. I, am I overstating how hard it is or is it something that is difficult that you, but you still need to do? Well, you do need to do it and it's not hard. It takes some time and you know, typically you can do a risk assessment of a, of a machine anywhere. It might take four to eight hours if you do a task-based approach. If you use a hazard-based approach, it will take a little bit less. So it does take some time, but it's not an infinite amount of time. And it's, it's definitely doable. Um, what, that sounded, that, what you just said, not to cut you off, sounded better than, I, I thought it would be even longer than, you know, like a, a day or a shift like that. No, okay. I mean, and part of that is just understanding what's the process, what's the expectation, and I mean, the big p issue about risk assessment is you have to be able to finish it. And you certainly can make this a 40 hour project if you really want to. We don't encourage that. Uh, I've never had anybody say ever say, can you make this take longer? OK, I think the obviously the big picture for all of this is um, for legal reasons. And, and so what are the legal implications um, of doing a risk assessment, um, whether it's in Europe or um, the U.S.? 
Well, let's start with Europe because the there's a law, the machinery directive is a law that requires that you do risk assessment. So if a member is shipping machine into Europe, you have to do risk assessment as required by the law. Um, and that's just what you have to do. In the U.S., uh, we have the standard, the B155.1 standard. That's not a law. It's just an, a consensus standard. So it's it's a situation where you don't have to do it by law, but that's the standard is going to be what is used to measure your performance in the court of law if somebody were to get hurt. So you really need to be doing risk assessments um, and it's going to be hard to defend a company if they're not doing it, primarily because it's been required now for almost 20 years. So there are obviously legal implications of not doing a risk assessment. Certainly. Certainly. I mean, if you haven't done one, that doesn't mean all is lost. And there's certainly ways to defend cases where there's a risk assessment has not been done, but it's certainly a lot easier to be able to, in one of the ways that we've had success in defending companies in products liability cases is to be able to, to demonstrate that the company complied with the applicable standards and that had achieved, that's one measure of achieving acceptable risk. How does this apply to, because we have members in Canada and you know Mexico, let's say for Canada, is there a similar type approach or is it more for them selling into these two areas? Well, it is. It certainly applies for them selling into these areas, but uh, Canada has the CSA standards. And they don't have a packaging specific standard, but they do have the uh, Z432 standard on uh, safety of machinery. Uh, Canada tends to follow the ISO standards. So what would be a parallel standard to the B155.1 standard would be the ISO 12100-12100. That standard requires risk assessment and it's much the same way as B155.1. And frankly, when we wrote the 2006 edition of B155.1, we started with 12100 and other standards and built on that. Now in Mexico, Mexico also tends to follow uh, U.S. and ISO standards. So if you're if you're building this, I mean, the, the main idea is you want to build one machine and ship it anywhere. And the standards writers, I mean, I, I help write standards. We get that message loud and clear. You don't want to be able to, you don't want to have standards for Canada and a different set for U.S. and a different set for Europe. So you're making three different machines or whatnot. So the standards writers are trying to do that. that that's called harmonization. It doesn't mean that the requirements are identical, but they are essentially harmonized so that uh, you shouldn't have to make or build different machines. Now, there are some small differences. You know, the color of wire, for instance, is sometimes different. But generally speaking, the point is you want to try to build uh, one machine and ship it anywhere, and it needs to comply with the standards. This isn't the most upbeat um, topic, risk assessment, you know, because you're you're basically trying to think about something bad happening. Are there other reasons for the for people to do risk assessments, you know, that that would help in the design of their machinery that isn't just as a, you know, kind of eliminating hazard type thing? Sure. I mean, this all sounds gloomy and doomy, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) One of the interesting things is the number of industry standards that now require risk assessment. And it is a quite a large number. And I firmly believe that this was if this was just about safety, it, you wouldn't see that. Uh, because the good news is, A, it's a good business process, but B, so you will actually build better machines. And that's because you're going to come to a better understanding of how your customers are using your machines. So for instance, um, we have seen situations, and I want to say almost every project that I work on, what comes out of the risk assessment is one of two things. You either 
have hit a home run and you've identified all the hazards and you've got it solid and you've got a great machine and you and now the confidence in your design goes up or we're able to identify uh, small changes that can actually improve the productivity the throughput the ease of use the speeds you're just making better machines and one of our customers commented that when engineers confidence goes up costs go down i like that yeah. And so I mean, if this was just about safety. I really don't think you'd see this kind of requirement or this kind of traction, but because people actually uh, find ways to build better machines. And, and let me give you an example. You know, if you need to change a, a pump or a motor on a machine and the design of the machine is such that it's buried inside the middle of the machine in order to get to it, you have to dismantle the machine that could really impact your downtime. But if you identify that task and there's safety implications to all this, but if you make it so that you can actually get to the pump or the motor, get in and get out, make that change and do it relatively quickly, that impacts your ability to, um, your customer's ability to produce. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense even for me. (laughs) Okay. Then let's move on to, I know PMMI just published a new edition um, of the product liability prevention guide. Is risk assessment, does that tie in with this guide? It does because, um, you know, there are two elements that are important in preventing product liability. And the whole point of preventing product liability is you want to stay out of trouble, right? Right. The way to do that is uh, to build a safe machine and make the company defendable. And building a safe machine is all about complying with the B155.1 standard and using risk assessment to achieve acceptable risk. Okay. And then, and I guess, could you give me a little more on what you mean by making the company defendable? Certainly. So companies that ship machines right before you ship it, do you take a photograph of the machine with the machine guards in place and the warning labels in place? Let's hope you do, because that photograph can be worth gold in defending the company um, and making it defendable. Because say the machine's out in use for eight years and it's been sold a couple times and somebody gets hurt on that machine because a guard is missing. And the plaintiff attorney comes along and says, your, your machine is defective because it doesn't have a guard. It should have a guard. You pull out the photograph and, and are able to sh- show when that machine left our facility, it had a guard on it. That's making the company defendable. That's not about building a safe machine. Right. I understand. That's interesting. Okay. I think that's a great overview of risk assessment. So we're going to stop it there. And anyone that needs more information can go to PMMI.org um, for the PackSafe source uh, software and the product liability prevention guide. Thank you for listening to Unpacked with PMMI. Be sure to join us next time for more packaging and processing industry insights. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.